Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. My name is Ralph. Ralph McLeod, I am the owner and artistic director of the SoCap Improv Comedy Theater in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We're at 154 Danforth Avenue above the Black Swan Tavern on the second and third floor. We have improv classes, shows, events, uh, our shows. We also have stand-up shows, sketch shows. You can rent our facilities and put on your own show. Uh, we do corporate events uh, through our company called Yes Unlimited, uh, which will come into your company and help transform your team, make uh, everybody like each other, work together, talk to each other, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, anyway, this podcast is about improvisation, improv comedy uh, for the stage, and also at least as much about uh, improv for just regular everyday life. What can improv do for you? That's the question, you know. All right. So uh, today uh, I want to talk about um, the use of dissonance in comedy. Okay, so first of all, let's back up and discuss what is dissonance. Uh, well, uh, dissonance is uh, uh, when things don't quite go together. The the when I first encountered like dissonance as it as it as it you know relates to human beings is the term cognitive dissonance, which is uh, the uncomfortable feeling that one gets when one holds contradictory information in their heads. Uh, so, um, an example would be, uh, oh, maybe, you know, you, uh, have a piece of gum and you crumple up the wrapper and there's no garbage around. And so you throw it on the ground. Uh, uh, that's one example. So uh, what that means is, so basically in that scenario, uh, you might hold in your head the thought that littering is bad, but I just littered. Right. Therefore, am I a bad person? So these 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 two thoughts coexisting together in one's brain tends to make uh, an uncomfortable feeling. And so what we as human beings tend to do is write some kind of fiction that makes that OK. And we like write a line like, well, you know, if there were more garbage cans. I wouldn't have to throw my stuff on the ground. Ah, and then there, we breathe a sigh of relief because we're not a bad person or. Maybe you, when you do your taxes, you don't declare all your income, you know, all your cash income. So here's an example of, oh, well, uh, it's wrong to cheat, uh, but I'm cheating. Hmm, uncomfortable feeling. Oh, I know everybody does it. Ah, whew, I feel good. So when we have cognitive dissonance, we tend to write a line that will or a fiction, and we come up with an explanation that makes that go away. Uh, it could be like, uh, well, I know if I go to the gym and exercise, I will live longer and healthier. Uh, or, you know, and so that's, oh, but I'm not going to the gym. Uh, oh, but you know what? I'm getting good night's sleeps, or I'm eating well, or I'm doing these other things that will sort of counteract the negative effects of not going to the gym. You know, all these kinds of things, we're all really good uh, at doing this in our daily lives. And we all do it, in my experience. Everybody does it. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by cognitive dissonance. You see it politically. Uh, there was, I think, the famous, most famous example of cognitive dissonance were these people. It was a cult, and they believed that um, uh, 
the appearance of some comet was going to signal the end of humanity. You know, a doomsday cult. Um, not the, the first. There's many of them, and they all have the same follow the same kind of pattern, in which you know they expect the Earth's going to end at a certain time and date, and they're preparing for everything. And then the day comes, you know, that their leader has prophesied would be the day. And the day comes, the day ends, and the world's still here. And they all look around like, huh? Weird, right? That's cognitive dissonance. The Earth was supposed to end. That's what we believed in. It didn't end. Hmm. Oh, I know. All our praying and prep uh, made God forgive us and give us another chance. Ah, uh, So that's a, that's a big example of cognitive dissonance. But we all do it, you know, uh, whether it's whatever you believe in. Anyway, the dissonance also is a big part of comedy. Uh, another another example of dissonance, just with not you know cognitive dissonance, but in music, yeah, you know music uses um, uh, minor chords or seventh chords, and they're a little discordant, and they create kind of a disharmony, or they don't sound quite right. They build tension, and uh, then when the the major chord comes, that tension is resolved, and we tend to feel emotions. Uh, there's a joke that I wish I had written, and it's uh, and it's uh, you know it's about the G7. The G7 is like the the seven most uh, biggest economies in the world, like the U.S., France, Britain, Canada. Uh, and uh, the joke is, uh, oh boy, somebody should follow up the G7 conference with the C major conference. That'll resolve everything. It's a really good joke, uh, and uh, I wish I'd written it, but. So, but dissonance also works in comedy uh, to great effect. In fact, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes to think about comedy or laughter without dissonance. So uh, a good example is like the punchline of a joke. Whenever the punchline comes, there's always a second of like, are they going to get it or not? So this is a joke I wrote. Uh, what's a canopy? And a canopy is a, a Scottish gentleman's lament to his urologist. A canopy! <laughs> Makes me laugh. Uh, but, you know, canopy, so when I, when the, when the, so that's a bad joke. But once the question is posed, there's like, there's like a moment of, oh, what if I don't get it? Or it takes a, you know, a split second for, oh, I see, canopy cannot pee. Oh, okay. It takes a second for that, and then that you have dissonance, and then the laughter comes when the dissonance is resolved, and you get it, and then that lets you know, oh, you're smart, you're included, you're one of the group. And we laugh at a res as you know the res the the release of the tension, because there's like maybe I won't get it, maybe it's not for me, and so if someone tells you a joke and everybody gets it and you don't, you feel pretty isolated and pretty alone, and you want to get out of there because it's not for you. You're excluded. You're not part of the group. Uh, and the laughter comes at the release of the tension. So you can't have a release of tension without tension. And that's what dissonance causes. So in improv, you'll see dissonance happen a lot. And uh, it's a great tool to use uh, when you're improvising. <clears throat> and uh, it's not like I ever sit around and go like, you know what, in this scene, I'm going to use dissonance. Um, but, you can, but you can create it often just by doing what's unexpected. An unexpected um, point of view 
or opinion about a very stereotypical or very common occurrence. And the one I'm always using on here is, you know, um, a person comes home and finds their spouse has been cheating. Now, in a very, in a relatable way, our expectation is someone who finds their spouse has been having an affair would be outraged, uh, angry, humiliated, hurt, sad, all these things. And, uh, but one thing you can always do is you can go, you can be excited. You're cheating. Ah, oh, yes. Now, when you do that, that creates dissonance, right? It's, it's interesting. And the audience stops and holds their breath because they need to know why is he excited? I'm not, I don't know why he's excited or they're excited. She's excited. He's excited. They're excited. What's going on? And then when you tell them the reason, ah, man, this is great because I've been having an affair for a long time and now I don't feel guilty anymore. And then the audience will laugh and they'll laugh at like, oh, that's why they're happy because they've also been cheating. And so when the dissonance is resolved, you get a laugh, but you can't have a laugh without, in this case, there are cases where you will get laughs without dissonance, but this is a specific case of how you paint uh, a different expectation or a different reality in the audience's mind. Oh, I would have expected this reaction to this information, but I didn't get that. I got something completely different. And you need to tell the audience what that is. And the audience, that's whether you're on stage and you have an audience watching you, you're in a classroom, or your audience is the person you're interacting with. I like to do this, you know, when I play with people in real life, you know, they'll say something and i'll and i'll say something uh that they don't expect and it, it has the same effect uh you know in, in my class when i'm teaching this i'll always get somebody in the class to call me a jerk Although i don't say jerk i say something a swear word but i'm not going to use it here i say call me a jerk and they call me a jerk and then i just look at them and smile and go you're not wrong <laughs> and it makes the audience laugh and because you know their expectation is that I'm going to be offended, but then I'm not offended. And I say, well, you know, Ron, I'm a real big jerk. And then I play with them and it's very fun. Uh, uh, yes. So, so dissonance is again, that, that feeling of, I don't know what's going on. And you, you see the same thing, even in the beginning of a scene, when two people are started, there's you know, the audience will, okay. They will give you their, uh, attention. The same way that if you met somebody and they started talking to you, you'd give them a certain amount of time in order for them to prove that they're worthy of having your attention. And it's the same thing. And uh, if you watch scenes carefully, you'll notice that first laugh that uh, an audience will give is when the audience understands what's going on. And it's the same thing, you know, when you're talking to a, a person that you've never met before. They will relax when they understand, oh, you're somebody I want to talk to because probably because you're relatable and you're not you're not trying to affect me in some way. You're not trying to put one over on me, uh, change me. You're just accepting who I am and I like that. So dissonance is a really powerful tool. And uh, and, the, and one thing about if you do not answer it, if you create an odd situation um and um you don't answer the question so if you know in my example if someone comes home and finds their spouse has been cheating and then goes woohoo this is great and then walks out 
everybody's just left looking at each other, thinking like, what's that about? And if you do that in front of an audience, what they will do is everybody will write their own fiction, probably, if they care enough. Um, and it'll all be different. And then if you come back in, if someone comes back, backs in, comes back later, and then explains why that dissonance happened, then it's too late. Because your dissonance, your, your explanation better match what everybody's thinking, or else they will not trust you. Because again, it's not for them. This is, I've, I've talked about this before, this is why relatability is a much better strategy than trying to wow people with your creativity and originality. Not that creative and original is wrong, uh, but it's just you're going to create, uh, you, you know, and it's gonna, you're going to create more problems, but then again, the payoff might be bigger too. But relatability is what will, what will endear an audience to you. Audiences want to know what's going on because they want to feel like they're involved, like they're a part of it. Audiences, like all of us, very selfish, right? What's in it for me? Why should I see your show? Why should I talk to you? What's in it for me? Now, that's it's not, you know, every time I hear myself saying that, I think like, oh, we're all jerks. It's, no, it's just, we can't help it. We all want to, you know, we all want to think that are relatable to ourselves. That's why we like the stories we like and the movies we like and the music we like, because it speaks to us. It's relatable to us. It is something in it that is for me. So uh, a dissonance creates that, you know, uncomfortable feeling in the audience's brain, like the punchline of a joke. And then when you resolve it, they laugh because they understand it's for me. I am welcome. I have found my people, my tribe, my community. Thank you. And it's and that's great, too, because that that um, that dissonance will focus people's minds and make them present. They'll be like, eh. you know, if you capture their attention, they will be with you on your journey. Again, whether you're on stage or you're talking to them at a, at a party or over dinner, you've got their attention and they're focused and they're present. You know, it's it's impossible to do that and be thinking like, what's for dinner? Who's picking up the kids? Oh, uh, I got to get back to so-and-so with that email they sent me. You know, you're focused. And uh, it's a, and that's one of the reasons why it's compelling because, you know, we get a mental break and we get to focus on the here and now and we can let go of our problems and our worries and our, you know, focusing on the future or the past or things we can't control here. We're locked in and we're in the moment. Uh, experiencing eternity. Eternity is not a win. Eternity is right now. It's this moment. This one that keeps going on and on and on. And dissonance, like, you know, uncomfortable things, mistakes, all these things will focus everybody's mind. Everybody's focused. You know, whenever there's a mistake, whenever some, there's some kind of contradiction, everybody holds their breath, waiting to find out what's going on. And if you can answer it, uh, people will laugh, generally, and very much like you. Okay. I think that's it, you know. So the use of dissonance in comedy, uh, and I, I will. Sp I'll talk, I have another podcast coming up on, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance and uh, and and how we can write lines with it, how you can write jokes, and how you can, um, you know, it's a. Well, I think you know, it's more like writing. Really, it's it's really hard to come up with these things in the moment. Although I've seen it happen. And uh, when it does, it's absolutely brilliant. So I got some great examples that I'll share with you that I've seen about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, cognitive dissonance. Don't run from it. And I love it. So, you know, making a choice that's unexpected, but then just explaining why that's good. 
why is it good that uh, you know your uh, spouse is having an affair? Why is it good that um, uh, well, I'm trying to think of anything bad that happens on stage? You know, like um, you got fired. Okay, see, we we don't expect people to be happy, but you know, Johnson, you're fired. Yes, thank you, boss. What? Ah, I hated this job anyway. Oh, okay. You know, I wanted to quit, but I didn't have the gumption. Now you fired me, and now I'm free. Okay, now I'm in. Now I understand why he's happy, or they're happy. I just want to know what's going on so that I can participate in what's happening, right? There's this thing that I run into all the time where students, where improvisers feel like, oh, I've got to hide this, right? I want to hide it and reveal it at the right time. No, you don't. No, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. You can do it, but it is, but it's not, <laughs> not in the way you think. I know it's so stupid to say that. It's it's just a really difficult thing to do. It's very, it's nuanced. It's covered up. Uh, it's hidden very well. Um, yeah, it's really difficult. And, and really, you know, as soon as you get an idea to do something, you should do it right away because the audience can see it coming and uh, they don't miss a thing. So, and if you try to pretend that you're smarter than the audience or hiding things from them, they will hate you and you will fail. So, uh, yes, dissonance in comedy, great tool. I, I recommend it. <laughs> or when you see it happening, you know, uh, you have blocks, blocks. We used to call these things blocks. It's a denial of reality. You know, uh, here's an example is my favorite the kind of one that I use. Uh, where character A says, uh, you know, hey, man, I was at a great party last night. It was crazy. Your mother was there. And then character B says something that makes that first line impossible. Uh, dude, my mother died 10 years ago. Ooh, ooh, they see the B line seems to make A's impossible, creates dissonance. But if A sticks with it, they can write a line that will make both of those lines true and we're going to get a laugh. Because if, if, if A goes back, comes back and says, I know, man, I said it was a crazy party. <gasps> oh, my gosh, the party was so crazy that, you know, there were ghosts there or people came back from the dead or zombies or something. But the mother was there. But even though she's dead, that's how crazy the party was. And when you can do that, not only is it very fun because we've, re we've removed the dissonance, the cognitive dissonance, but we've also enriched the world. Oh, I understand more about this world. Oh, this world where there's ghosts or zombies or demons or whatever. But oh, that's cool. Uh, and that's uh, that's also the dialectic, which is Arist Aristotelian dialectic. You know, when you have thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Right? Line A says makes a statement. Line B seems to make line A impossible you know, for some reason, and then line C makes both statements true. And we laugh and we feel really good because we get it and we're smart and we found our people and our group and we laugh. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'll see you back here next time for more uh, SOCAP Improv Comedy uh, podcasts. Oops, I forgot to mention our sponsor today. Um, today's sponsor is... Uh, <laughs> I don't have one. I forgot to think up one before launching this thing. But uh, we've had some great sponsors, haven't we? We've had uh, Custard's Last Stand. That's a beautiful dessert place. Uh, we've had uh, Adequate Sack, uh, Wexler's Beef, uh, Burt Reynolds Boat Reynolds. Burt Reynolds Boat Reynolds. Say that one 10 times fast. 
And uh, also the new show coming up uh, this fall. Uh, look for it. It's Judge Dame Judy Dench. And if you can say that five times, I will give you a quarter. Judge Dame Judy Dench. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye.